You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. No Matt Nagy, same results for your Chicago Bears. A tough loss to the San Francisco 49ers in a game where it felt like the Bears offense was just starting to figure something out and the defense wasn't there to hold up its end of the bargain. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like Lockdown Bears on Facebook. Join the Lockdown Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure that you subscribe to the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. On the show today, we recap the Bears' loss to the 49ers with a look at improvement from Justin Fields and really, I think, the offense as a whole starting to take a little bit more of that shape and, and show us more of the things we've been wanting to see, both from the rookie quarterback and from the supporting cast around him, except for when it came for the defense, an absolute collapse against the 49ers. We'll look at some of what went wrong, although I don't know that we have super concrete answers at this point, but at least kind of go through some of what we saw and where we were most disappointed, maybe try and find some kind of explanations there. And we wrap up with a closer look at Matt Nagy's absence. Chris Tabor filling in as the head coach interim there with Nagy out with COVID. We'll see kind of what difference it made without Nagy in there and how that sort of affects the team, more of a bigger picture look moving forward. As always, though, I think we need to start with Justin Fields, especially in a big performance like this. It really felt like maybe the best game from Justin Fields thus far. And certainly the stat sheet doesn't necessarily, like, at least the passing yards doesn't jump out at you right away when you know he's under 200 yards in the game. And it's certainly a, a quality completion percentage that came down a bit by the very end. But certainly in the first half, he was absolutely... Dealing, what is it, 175 total yards, 19 to 27 with a touchdown and an interception. Another interception, by the way, that goes through the hands of a wide receiver. At least a wide receiver has an opportunity to catch before it's ultimately picked off by the opponent. But it just felt like some, some, some real progress, I think, both from fields and the offense, that they were able to get into a rhythm early and, and kind of stick with that rhythm. It was a super long drive in the second quarter that took, I want to say, like, eight minutes and 15 seconds. It was over eight minutes off the clock. It only went like 57, 60-ish yards on 16 plays, but at least it was, again, rhythm, controlling the clock, and just kind of stacking plays slowly but surely on top of, of one another. Fields seemed to be getting rid of the ball fairly quickly, at least, again, earlier on, and it, but it wasn't just, you know, the curl routes necessarily. It felt like they were getting into more of that, like, deep-to-intermediate passing game. You know, not the deep, not the 30-yard-plus shots downfield, but, you know, in that 10- to 20-yard range more quickly. You know, the tight end on the crossing route or sort of deep in there from Allen Robinson or Darnell Mooney towards the sideline. You know, little things like that where he doesn't have to hold on to it for four seconds to find a receiver that way. It's still quicker but it's not necessarily like the short game, dinking and dunking his way downfield. Early on, and, and kind of throughout, but established it early on, it felt like, anecdotally, more play action, more moving pockets. I haven't seen the numbers yet to confirm whether it indeed or just how much more it was in terms of more play action and moving pockets, but those kind of things that help a rookie quarterback, especially, it, it felt like 
we were seeing more of those. And maybe in the second half, if maybe that declined a little bit as the offensive production did too. Again, it's just sort of, I wasn't like counting as the game went on necessarily, but Pro Football Focus and some of those other companies do count that. And I'm looking forward to seeing what exactly the numbers do say there. But I, I think the numbers that really stand out for me is, as evidence is how much more rushing success Justin Fields had in this game. I think he was the first Bears quarterback since Bobby Douglas in the 70s to rush for over 100 yards, 10 carries for 103 yards, and, of course, the spectacular touchdown run. And there were a couple of those, like, spectacular special plays from Justin Fields that not many rookie quarterbacks can make in a way that reminds you why you drafted him and justifies some of that and and maybe, I don't want to say, like, completely solves any concerns you might have had, but definitely is a good a good stepping stone and a good progress point from what we're seeing from him. I mean, he looked like Lamar Jackson on that touchdown run, and the touchdown throw he had in that game to hit Jesse James, there was an angle from reverse where you could see it from James's, like behind the tight end. The window that he hits there, rolling left, throwing across his body, down and away from the defense to where only his tight end could catch it, that was a special throw. That's not a throw Andy Dalton can hit. It's not a throw Nick Foles can hit. It's not a throw Mitch Trubisky can hit. That's only a throw that a handful of quarterbacks in the NFL. It's not, you know, I mean, we don't have to get into it. It's not comparing him to Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or whatever, but like it was that type of throw that only, I mean, special amount of velocity, arm strength, location, placement, reading the coverage top to bottom, those, those types of plays were just phenomenal. He missed some throws in this game that he should have hit. There were some just sort of easy incompletions where he just sailed it a little bit or threw it a little short, and I still come down to, like, footwork and mechanics on some of those. Again, just watching it live without having gone through the All-22, it just seemed like if his feet were kind of funky and he was jumping throwing or just doing some weird kind of of out-of-rhythm type stuff, that tended to be when those passes were a little bit more off-target. But absolutely, he has the talent to completely make up for, you know, a couple of those misses throughout the game to make those special plays that absolutely did wonders for this Bears offense and it just kind of felt like the offense was was really settling in and it, and it felt like progress from what we had seen earlier in the season against the Lions and the, Ra- the Raiders and then was sort of stepping back against the Packers and the and the Buccaneers and maybe it should be expected against a lesser opponent right I mean Buccaneers and Packers potential Super Bowl contenders this year two and four 49ers having lost four games in a row not quite in the same boat so you know the offense it's very good to see them playing better, and they needed—they absolutely needed to play better against a team like the 49ers. But again, I'm not going to pretend like everything is solved. And then, you know, Herbert gets hurt, and that changes some things in terms of the running game. And this, the running game still only averaged three yards a carry, but I was I was glad that Laser stuck to it and gave him 23 carries for 72 yards. It wasn't pretty all game, but it was a big part of keeping this offensive in rhythm. And, it, and for the most part, this felt like, I don't want to say the first game, but certainly one of the few games or lately where the offense did enough to win, but the defense did not. And for so long this season, it felt like, you know, the defense was always kind of doing, and not always, but mostly, most of the time the defense was doing enough and it was the offense that was struggling to put enough points on the board and help its defense out a little bit. Very much reversed in this one with the defense completely falling apart. We'll try and pick up some of the pieces and, Diagnose some of what went wrong, but still kind of scratching my head for some of the answers, too. Next on Locked On Bears. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. 
another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching some sports highlights on your phone, of course, and then you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the really good stuff you like to stream. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that same entertainment you love without the hassle. And it's a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, your favorite movies, and your favorite shows all in one place. That means no more juggling different remotes and no need to ever buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. You're never going to be locked in. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Again, get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. We knew this Bears defense wasn't playing stellar the last couple of games against very good opponents, but I think we were all a bit surprised how much they struggled against the San Francisco 49ers. And I guess we knew going in that Khalil Mack was not expected to play and, of course, then did not play. So there was always going to be a drop-off there. But this felt like, I don't know, a little bit more of a drop-off than just Khalil Mack. And I'm willing to sort of... I don't know. I'm willing to put some blame on injuries when Eddie Jackson leaves the game, Tashawn Gibson leaves the game. So you've got two backup safeties in there, you know, plus, you know, you don't have Khalil Mack and, and, you know, what percentage is Robert Quinn at coming off of the COVID list and limited practice. And we know Hicks and Goldman have both been sort of limited at practice. At least they're playing, right? And it's good to have them out there, but I'm willing to chalk up, you know, some, some small percentage. That does not explain though, how much, the defense struggled, particularly in the second half, right? They were going they were going blow for blow pretty well in the first half, and it seemed like the defense was right there. But I was a little bit surprised when I when I looked, and, and I guess when you think about it, it's like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But 18 points the Bears allowed in that fourth quarter. It was the, the field goal and then the touchdown with the missed two-point, with the missed extra point. Oh, no, excuse me, that was like the third quarter. So we had a touchdown with a two-point conversion, a touchdown, and a field goal to get up to 18 points for the 49ers in that fourth quarter, which is how, again, they win by 11. But I, I don't know. It just, it just seemed like, was it a, a lack of physicality? Like, I need to see the All-22 to diagnose some of the issue here because it wasn't just like, oh, they kept throwing at Kindle Vildor and he was burned for 200 yards. I mean, yes, they threw at Kendall Vildor at the end of the first half, the big one to Brandon Ayuk, and you know he gave up some catches. But Vildor has given up some catches every game this season, right? And like they were throwing at Danny Trevathan and, and Alec Ogletree, and yeah, the linebackers have given up some catches this season. And then they had a couple of like big running plays, and it was like, well, the defense has been pretty good against the run, but they've given up a couple of those too, right? None of those things individually were brand new reasons why the defense was struggling. It just felt like they were all happening at the same time. And the 49ers just always seemed one step ahead of this Bears defense. It did feel like Kyle Shanahan was out coaching Sean Desai, which you know you, you might expect from a first-year defensive coordinator against a, a really bright offensive I mean, mastermind is a strong word when the team is now three and four, but a, a bright offensive mind nonetheless with with Kyle Shanahan. I did think having Hicks and Goldman back in there helped shut down a lot of the runs up the middle. There were quite a few times where Elijah Mitchell, they tried to pound up and he just like hit this wall of defensive linemen and, and, and break down, but 
he had so many of those long runs when they stretched it out to the edge. And that's where Khalil Mack's absence was really felt for me was in run defense. I mean, they were still able to set the edge, like the quarterback was setting the edge, but there's sort of like, there's different layers of setting the edge. There's the, there's like the outside contain, but then there's sort of like a, there's a secondary contain. I'm sure coaches probably have a better word for it than I'm, than I'm struggling to come up with right now. But like the outside guys to make sure you funnel them inside, but everyone wants to kind of funnel them more and more inside. And it was like the first group was always there. But Shanahan did a great job of bringing Juszczyk, the tight end, or some of their other blockers sort of across with the stretch zone runs to sort of seal that second contain to get the running back free vertically when they were trying to stretch those runs out. I mean, and then from there, once he gets through to that second level, again, it felt like they just weren't being physical. Like, they weren't taking on blocks, at least in the secondary. And, of course, when the running back's already in your secondary, you're having some problems. And give the 49ers credit for blocking well. They have a good offensive line, and they were getting offensive linemen up to the linebackers. They were kind of blocking the outside linebackers out and keeping the interior defensive linemen in, and that's how you get Akeem Hicks chasing the running back 20 yards downfield before finally making the tackle. But, you know, you can complain about the run defense all game or all day for this one. And, yes, of course, you don't want to give up, what was it, uh, 137 yards and 7.6 yards per carry. Absolutely bad run defense. But I don't know that the run defense completely explains this Bears loss. I mean, I, I, I look more to the 322 passing yards from Jimmy Garoppolo and, more specifically, Debo Samuel having 171 yards on six, care, uh, six catches. Really, it was the big... 50-plus yard completion to Vildor at the end of the first half, and then, of course, the 80-plus yard screen where he was pushed out of bounds just short of the goal line, and it's just these big explosive plays absolutely torched this defense, much like the long running plays. It just kind of felt like, again, is it a lack of physicality? I mean, it was again, they were blocked well. I just, I'm, I'm looking for a specific answer to be able to point out, and I, without seeing the All-22, I just don't have anything quite keyed in yet, but I'm, I'm, I, I do look and see zero sacks, on Jimmy Garoppolo, zero quarterback hits, no turnovers. He's fumbled a lot this season. They just were never able to get to Jimmy G. Felt like he was able to extend plays quite a bit when the pass rush wasn't getting home. And then even, you know, no matter how good your coverage is going to be, if he has all day to throw, he's going to find some of these windows. I still think the bigger plays were the bigger problem, but the pass rush was definitely contributing to Jimmy Garoppolo's big game. And then, you know, it just kind of seemed like every drive from there for the 49ers, they were just finishing better. They were extending those drives a little bit more, and the Bears never really had an answer. I think every 49ers drive ended with an opportunity for points. It was the missed field goal right away, and then they scored. So it was it was missed field goal, then field goal, field goal, field goal, touchdown, 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 field goal, end of game. 49ers never punted, and the only time they, weren't, they didn't score was when they missed a field goal attempt or the game hit zero and they were taking knees. Otherwise, every single drive ended with points. And you can live with field goals, but then those were all in the first half. And in the second half, it was a touchdown in the third quarter and then two touchdowns on their first two drives in the fourth quarter. And that's your ball game, right? That's how they put up those 18 points and kind of pull away a little bit at the end there. And that's, that's what I think really decided this game for the defense is, is those field goal drives turned into touchdown drives. You don't want field goal drives at all, but at least you can, you can kind of live with those when your offense is playing this well. And that's what we talked about the last couple of weeks. It's right. It's like, we didn't want to blame the defense too much in some of these last games when the offense wasn't keeping up. If you're holding a good offense to field goals, your offense should be scoring touchdowns and, and you can kind of formulate out a, a victory that way. But as soon as those field goals become touchdowns, that's when it becomes a big, big problem for this Bears defense, and, and there wasn't, I mean, Justin Fields at this stage and this Bears offense at this stage, given some of the missing pieces and the lack of talent there, it was just never going to be a performance where they could do enough to win 
if the defense was going to struggle quite like this. So that's, again, uh, leaving me with a, a lack of answers other than like, I, I, I definitely see the what, right? It's, it's touchdowns instead of field goals. It's big explosive plays. It's not being physical enough in the running game and letting Jimmy Garoppolo have time to, to throw. The pass rush not being there, right? That's, that's all sort of the what happened and, and what led to the Bears losing by 11. I, I'm still having watched it live, struggling with some of the why there. Injuries explain some of the whys, and now I sound like Matt Nagy asking for the whys. Oh, no, that's, <laughs> I, I've fallen into the trap. But, you know, that's what I try and do with the podcast is, is understand and explain and try and go a little bit deeper, and I'm struggling with it in this one. Again, injuries explain, I think, some of it for me, uh, but not the whole thing. This is, the Bears' defense wasn't bad purely because of injuries. And I don't know that it was purely, you know, the defensive coordinator with bad play calls. I think they could have done more to help the pass rush. There was a lot of those, you know, three-man rushes and dropping eight back into coverage. And when you don't have Khalil Mack, I I, I question that a little bit because Jimmy G's Jimmy G's not a playmaker, but if you give him time to throw, he'll find I mean, kind of like Andy Dalton, right? Not the same skill set, but that same idea, right? If you give him all day to throw, he'll find somebody eventually and they can stack those plays. And then when you miss all the tackles and, and aren't physical enough on the explosive plays, that's a, that's a formula for the 49ers to kind of get their offense back on track. So, Bad Bears defense is not something we've seen a ton of as of late, and I'm not ready to just fire Sean Desai after a game like this necessarily, but they got some explaining to do, and I'm, I think the tape will tell a lot for how that might come. We'll, we'll sort of get into some of that later on as this, as this week goes on and we break down this game even more in depth. But I'm, I'm, I really want to spend a little bit more time taking a step back and kind of looking at the absence of Matt Nagy with Chris Tabor kind of filling in, and it felt like, some things were totally the same, and, and some things were kind of different, and we'll, we'll take more of a, a wider view next on Locked On Bears. All this month, our friends at Built Bar are unveiling new flavors, limited time of Built Bars, the world's best-tasting protein bars. And every flavor I've ever had has been delicious, don't get me wrong, but especially when they make these limited-time flavors, there's always something a little bit special about them. And I think I have two or three of them, Actually, four up in my in my pantry right now. I've got a full box of the salted pretzel, which actually has little like bits of pretzel in the built bar. I've got some cookie dough chunk. I've got a little bit of coconut brownie chunk, which I think is the best flavor of built bars. I've sort of walked back my coconut or my my cookie dough take, and then blueberry muffin. I've got up there as well. I'm telling you, they don't taste like regular protein bars. They're not chalky or waxy or hard to eat. These taste like candy bars because they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew, but most importantly, low sugar, low calories, high fiber, high protein. I'm telling you, you got to try them for yourself. Head on over to built.com, B-U-I-L-T, built.com. Enter our promo code LOCKED15 and you're going to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. The Chicago Bears obviously unable to cover what was moving around the spread, ended up, I think, around four points. The Bears were underdogs at home against the San Francisco 49ers. The odds makers at, at betonline.ag, obviously uh, not seeing a Bears victory and correctly predicting that one. If you missed out, BetOnline is always going to be the best place to get the best odds for your money. The over-under for this game was set really low. I can't remember the total off the top of my head, but the Bears definitely can't way, way over. So if you've got, if you saw that one coming and you want to make sure you get in on it next week with Justin Fields really getting into rhythm, but this Bears defense struggling, you got to check out betonline.ag. It's your number one spot for all your football action this season. Not only pro football, but college football, plus the basketball season just starting, hockey well underway. 
plus all the other sports, you know, tennis, soccer, golf, you name it, they've got it at betonline.ag. Sign up today and for your free account and enter in our promo code locked on to receive your free 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's them giving you free money to play with at betonline.ag, where the game starts. We wondered how this Bears game would start without Matt Nagy as the head coach. Obviously, placed on the COVID list, testing positive earlier this week and unable to, I believe he needed back-to-back consecutive negative tests two days in a row in order to be able to coach in this one. So we knew ahead of time, a little bit ahead of time, that Matt Nagy would not be able to go. And so it was the Chris Tabor experience. And he got some love from the, the broadcast team and they kept showing him on the sidelines. And it was a different a different feel, a little bit, a little bit of a different vibe, just not seeing the the, the Nagy visor. And it was instead the... Tabor, the special teams coordinator out there, kind of has his own little flavor and his own little look. And certainly kind of he emphasized throughout the weekend and on game day that he was kind of just trying to be a, I guess, facilitator of Matt Nagy's message. So there was no live communication for Nagy during the game, right? He's not on the headset. He's not calling in or zooming in from his mysterious bunker, wherever he is. Like basically game day, or I guess between kickoffs, I'm sure they talked to him in the morning, but, you know, like, actual game time is Matt Nagy free. But Nagy was heavily involved in all the Zoom meetings and stuff for game planning, the coaches' meetings, the play, not, not the play calling, but planning how they wanted to plan this game. So, right, the preparation part, Nagy was all involved in. And so it's part of why we didn't see a drastically different Bears team. We did see offensive progress, right? I mean, it was progress from Justin Fields. It was more points on the board. It was some of the things we've been wanting to see from the Bears offense. And then, of course, the defense is the very opposite story. And, and it just it does seem like, I guess, first and foremost, that this the, the game outcome was going to be a no-win for Matt Nagy. If he's, if he's gone and the Bears play great and they destroy the 49ers, then it's, ha, see, the Bears didn't need Matt Nagy. He's holding the team back. You know, they should just fire him right now anyway. And that's probably a separate discussion, that last part. But, right, so he loses that way. Or if the Bears play poorly, then he loses that way too because the team loses. And So, right, there was not going to be an outcome in this game that looked good or great for Matt Nagy when he's not there. So I'm a little bit hesitant to, you know, I'm trying not to overreact to anything we saw with Matt Nagy sidelined because, again, it's just sort of in-game stuff they were missing. All the preparation he was still a part of. But the 49ers had lost four games in a row. So if you're the three and four Bears, there's not, I mean, there's no good, there's no excuse, there's no reason to lose this game. This was a winnable game. I don't want to call it a game the Bears should have won because they were underdogs on betonline.ag for a reason, right? It wasn't like, oh, everyone in the world, it wasn't like an upset, a reverse upset for the Bears losing in that regard. So is it a game they should have won? No, but it's a game they, if, if the Bears were a quality team, right, if they, if they wanted to prove, hey, we're better than our record and, and we've just been, you know, on the wrong end of some of these things this season, then they should have won this game. But the fact that they didn't, right, this was sort of a measuring stick in that regard. In the same way that like Green Bay was, uh, was a measuring stick of saying, hey, the Bears are not on that level. And so they weren't on the Buccaneers level. This was a step down to say, okay, are you at least 49ers good? And, and they were not. And I don't think Matt Nagy there or not there really changes that. You know, they are still sort of the same Bears team. It did feel like, though, that this loss just had a different vibe then from the Packers and the Buccaneers. Because at least like with the Packers and Buccaneers, we, we sort of expect 
expected the Bears to lose those games. And and I guess I was kind of expecting the Bears to lose this one based on how the last two had gone. But, like, on paper, again, winnable game. The last two, less winnable on paper. And so this one feels bad or worse. I don't want to say feels worse, but feels bad in a different way when it's a game that felt so much more obtainable that was just not able to do so. And it just feels like such a reflection of this coaching staff and this regime as a whole. This, this is where the Bears are, a team that's lost four games in a row, struggling to find its offensive way, has a, a, a sort of get-right game against this Bears defense when everything kind of goes wrong on that side of the ball. And you can say, well, that's not Matt Nagy's responsibility. Absolutely, it's not. Sean Desai deserves the, the blame for a lot of that. However, the team is always a reflection of its head coach. And it just feels like there's always something going wrong with Matt Nagy's Bears. And it's different things all the time, and it moves around, but it just that, that's a sign of a team that's not well-run from top to bottom, right? It's not a, a organized, effective, you know, efficient team. It's just there's, there's always something that you can point to as, as going wrong here and going wrong there. And some of that's the general manager and some of that's the talent, but some of that's the coaching staff and just how, how the head coach handles his team and handles his organization. And so you're left with... Another loss, three in a row, and still a tough part of the schedule here with the Steelers coming up. And, if, you know, you're only a few weeks away from the bye week to try and reset, but, you know, you got the Ravens in there as well, and maybe things lighten up a little bit in the second half of the season. But it's it's a rough spot right now, and it, it really does sort of contribute more to this idea of, of being ready to move on from Matt Nagy. Not expecting it to happen in the middle of the season, but it does feel like we're getting there. And I guess there, there is a, a certain segment of Bears fans where, this game was the optimal outcome. You know, there's there's a, a a large group of Bears fans, and this is there's nothing wrong if this is you. That's totally fine. Like I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan. There's a large group of Bears fans that says I want the Bears to lose so Matt Nagy will get fired, but I want Justin Fields to play well. This game was pretty optimal for that. That was that's what you got. You got a great Justin Fields performance, and the Bears still lost. And if if you're sort of looking for that for this season to say, hey, show me a franchise quarterback of the future to give me hope for the future, but then still lose enough that Matt Nagy gets fired. Because, you know, Fields plays too well and the team wins too many games, then Matt Nagy can keep his job and kind of keep going in in this cycle right now. But this fit that sort of mold where, you know, some Bears fans say, no, I'm never going to root for a loss, and that's totally fine. You be a fan exactly how you want to be a fan. I'm not going to tell you how you should or should not be a fan. If you're rooting for the Bears to win no matter what because you love the Chicago Bears, do that and enjoy the wins and struggle with the losses, and and hopefully the podcast can kind of help you with both of them. Or if you're a Bears fan, it's not exactly rooting for the loss, but you know you, you kind of want them to lose and just want Justin Fields to play well, this was absolutely then the game for you. And it feels like that's the direction the rest of the season is trending. The Bears will beat teams like the Lions and some of the bad teams on the schedule. But, you know, when they play the Cardinals and the Ravens, they're going to get their butts kicked. And you can only then just sort of hope that Justin Fields will continue to play well. We'll certainly pay close attention to how Justin Fields performs, how this defense tries to bounce back against Roethlisberger, who's definitely struggling quite a bit. We'll have plenty more to break down for that game. We're not going to get too ahead of ourselves. We're not even done with with this Bears 49ers game, but all week long, plenty more daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis coming your way. So make sure that you subscribe then to keep up with all of our daily Bears podcast, whether that's audio form, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're free and available on all platforms or in the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel. Appreciate everyone who's been tuning in, following along, liking, commenting, joining in that conversation. The Bears Facebook group has been popping off quite a bit as well. Really appreciate all that. And just anybody who makes Lockdown Bears your first listen 
each and every single day because we're here for you every day. And, you know, we, we got we got numbers. We got data. I know a lot of you, you know, you listen here and there, but you're not keeping up. Do me a favor. Listen to a, an extra episode a week. It can make a huge difference for all of us in sort of building this community around the team and helping everybody through some of these tough times. But, hey, Justin Fields certainly gives you a very, very bright spot and I think makes it that much easier to bear down.